also, believe it, how many people in this room like horses? I know we have some horse people here. Horses, how many of you guys help out with Tiffany over at the horse farm, right? I can't see you, but I'm sure there are hands up. So I believe it or not, I was a horse guy growing up. Like when I was little, I grew up on a farm and we had a horse. <clears throat> Our horse was mean though, like super mean and really stubborn. And I would try to ride it. And my dad wanted to teach me when I was just like a little round guy. And he'd put me up in that horse and our horse's name was Babe. It was a girl. Her name was Babe. And she was so mean. So I was trying to learn with all my might. My dad puts me up on the horse and she just goes crazy. Like she would just like start bucking and moving. And I was like, why would you ever put your little son on a horse, dad? Like that's crazy. And, but he did. And so this one day I remember specifically as I'm trying to ride Babe, she like you know, the horse, horses have like a bridle and they have this bit that goes through their mouth. And you use that as you pull in different directions to get the horse to go one way or another. Okay. And uh, Babe looked kind of something like this this day. You'll see in this next slide here. This is what she looked like. She was just like, ah, that's not her. But like, that's what I felt like. She was just like a demon horse. And so when she pulled somehow uh, the bridle, I guess, wasn't on correctly and it came off. And so the bit comes out, and she's just like free-ranging. She's just like, whatever I want to do now, it's on, right? So she starts taking off running, and I'm like on her back, like barely know how to ride a horse. I'm just this like a little guy, and I'm holding on for dear life, just screaming. My legs are bouncing out. I'm just like, ah! and she's just like running. And my dad's behind the horse, like trying to like catch up to us. And at one point, I lose my balance, and I fall off the, the horse, but my foot gets caught in the stirrup. Okay, now I'm, I'm like this tall, like I'm tiny and this is a big horse. So even when like my foot was caught and I was fully extended, I wasn't reaching the ground. Like I'm just little. So I'm just hanging by my foot under this horse as it's like trolloping off. And I'm watching, I still can see the hoof of this horse coming like at my face as it's like running and I'm just dangling. All of a sudden, like for some reason, the, the horse stops. And I find out it's my dad caught up to the horse and grabs its reins and like pulls it back and stops it. He pulls me out and he's like, turn around. Like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, did I do something wrong? And so I turn around and then I just hear pop. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. You're like, did the horse die? Did my dad? No, he didn't shoot the horse, all right? Probably wanted to, but he did. Horse lovers, cover your ears. This is probably not OSHA approved. He was so mad, he just went, he popped that horse right in the nose. It's like right in the tip of the nose. It was just like, you almost killed my son. He was like, pop. And uh, when I turned around, I just see the horse like, oh, oh, <laughs> like doing one of these, like looking a little woozy, you know? I was like, dad, what did you do? He just kind of stunned it a little bit and taught it a lesson. But see, here's the thing. That horse was the best behaved horse ever after that. I never had any more problems with Babe, but I did learn an important lesson that day. I learned how important that bit was in that horse's mouth. Like if, if, if you don't have that little teeny piece, of, I guess it's made of wood, like just stuck in that horse's mouth, you can't really control the horse. You can't control where it's going, and it can just do whatever it wants. And I was amazed at how that tiny little thing a little tool compared to such a huge, massive, strong, muscular animal, that little thing was able to control it and make it go in different directions. And so tonight, as we're looking, we're still walking through James. We're in this series called Asking for a Friend, and James is helping us understand the Christian life. And tonight, as we get to this particular passage, we're going to hear about little things that have a whole lot of power, like a bit and a horse. This little teeny thing that's able to control this big, powerful animal. So we're going to start off James chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. 
not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I'm going to stop right there for a second because you're like, why is he talking about teachers in this passage? And he's not telling you don't go into some school and be like a high school math teacher. That's not what he's talking about. The type of teacher that he's pointing out here tonight is someone who would teach God's word. Someone who's a Bible teacher or a pastor or a Christian who's like bringing new believers under them and teaching them God's word. And he's saying that this is such an important thing that we do when we teach God's word. We should take it seriously. And just like we should take it seriously as we're teaching it, we should also take it seriously as we're listening to it and learning it because it's that important to God. It's that life-changing for us that if we don't hear it right, we can go down a totally wrong path. So people who are teaching God's word need to be careful how they're teaching it. So it's not something where with all this influence that they have as people are listening and saying, hey, how do I know God better? And we're teaching that we want to teach the right things. We want to teach what God says, how we can know him. Now listen, today, there are so many opportunities for you all over the place to go to a place where you think you're hearing God's word. You can go on social media and listen to different pastors. And I'll tell you what, you almost don't know what you're getting as you click on different YouTube videos. As you walk into churches, it's hard to know what that pastor is going to teach when you walk into their church today. It's difficult to know if they're actually teaching you God's word or they're just caught up in other things. And James wants us to know that. James wants us to be aware at how important it is to teach accurately what God says in his Bible. If we just get on stages and we just tell stories and never once mention to you that sin is bad, that there's a real place called hell, and that Jesus gave his life on a cross to die for you so you could go to heaven, we're not doing our job. We don't come here just to tell jokes and entertain and tell stories so you feel good and go home. We come here to tell you what God says in his word. And any pastor or any teacher who's not doing that or who's teaching you something contrary to what you're reading in the Bible, don't listen to them. Stop going to their church. Stop watching their YouTube videos. Don't let their words influence your mind and your heart in a direction that takes you away from Jesus instead of closer to the true Jesus. And so James says, not many of you should become teachers because it's a difficult task. It actually says that God is going to judge you with greater strictness. So there's a warning here, like watch out. There's a lot of people today who want that opportunity to get onto a stage and have people listen to them. And somehow they get caught up in lights and say, oh, I want the attention instead of actually doing my job, which is to teach you what God says, because we come here to hear from him. Not to hear from Rob or these people who lead you in worship or any other church you go to. We're here to hear from Jesus. And the second it becomes about something else, we need to just disband. We need to stop meeting. That's what James says. This is such an important thing. We need to be careful as we do this. And you need to be careful who you listen to, who you let influence your mind. Then he says this, for we all stumble in many ways. You guys probably could name different people right now. Big pastors, celebrity pastors, people from big churches, people online who you've heard preach who have stumbled recently, who get on in front of their church on a stage and say, hey, listen, we need to live lives that honor God. 
We need to be faithful in our marriages. And then they're out with like three other families that their own family didn't know about. Pastors who are falling into addiction. People who are teaching God's word, but doing the opposite. Because it's not something they're believing in their own hearts and in their own lives. You need to be careful who you listen to. And those who want to teach, you need to take it seriously. So you're not just teaching God's word, you're living God's word. You're believing it in your heart. And that doesn't just mean being a pastor, y'all. Like, if you're leading a devotional at school or in an FCA club or with some friends, take it seriously as you're leading that, as you're teaching God's word, so that people hear you say one thing and they see you live it outside of that group. But it says here that if we all stumble, like none of us are perfect, all right? So don't expect teachers to be these perfect people. Don't expect your pastors to be perfect people. We're all broken. Like we all struggle and we all stumble. He says, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, right? So like if, if none of us ever mess up, we're perfect. But we know something. We know that everybody stumbles. There is no perfect person. That title is held by Jesus alone. Like he's the only one who's perfect. And so he says this. They're able also to bridle his whole body. So like if you're not someone who stumbles, like, you're able to control your mind and your behavior and your desires and the things that you do. Like, you're someone who control, can control all of that. But we know that there are no perfect people. So he says this next. You ready? He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So now this is where he brings up this part of, like, your body's hard to control. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but like you have like desires and urges and you have things that you want to do and temptations that want to bring you certain places where you know you shouldn't go. And you know what God says. You hear the preaching, you hear about the Bible, you read it for yourself. But then that temptation comes. And your flesh wants to bring you somewhere. It wants you to do certain things. And so there's always this war, right? This like struggle that we have. I know I shouldn't lie, but it's a lot easier to get out of situations and trouble if I just twist the truth. I know I shouldn't copy homework and cheat on exams and tests and those things, but you know what? Like I just forgot I'll just do it this once so I can get by in this class. I know I shouldn't talk about people behind their back, but man, if you knew what they said about me, they deserve it. Right? It's this war. It's this constant like tension between our flesh and the new person that we are in Jesus. And so as we navigate that, James brings up this thing about a bridle. And he's like, man, your flesh can be hard to control. It could be like this big horse, this big beast that just wants to like take you for a ride like my horse did. But there's this little tool that you can put right in its mouth. And it will help navigate that big animal, this flesh that we have, there is a little, a little thing that can help guide you, that will determine which way you go. And you know what it is? He says this next. He says, look at the ships, right? So he's going from horses, and he says, let, let, let me illustrate this for you. Look at these big ships. Can you guys put the picture of, of that ship up there for me real quick, first one? All right, he says, though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, 
They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate, pilot, <laughs> and pirate, I guess, directs. Now, there's a rudder. That's a rudder, okay? You can't even see the whole ship. It's massive. This is just like a little piece, but imagine if you could see the rest of the picture. It would go all the way like to the other side of the stage and further. It's this massive thing. And that little teeny thing right there, it's kind of rectangular with a little circle-y thing. Like, that is the rudder. That's what guides the ship. That's what turns this big, massive thing. Show the next picture for me. Look at kind of like the size difference. There's a big ship, that little tiny thing on the back. That's all it takes. It's so small. Like that same thing, like with the bit in a huge horse's mouth. It's these little things that can direct these massive objects. And so he says this next. He says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James is still talking about teachers here, right? And the way we teach God's word. But it goes even beyond that, right? It's broadening the scope to like things that come out of our mouths as believers because we're always kind of teaching people. They're looking at us saying, he follows Jesus. I wonder how he lives. I wonder what things he talks about. He says he believes in Jesus. He teaches these things. But is it consistent with his life? So stop for a second and think about yourself like at school. Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people know you come to firehouse or go to church? Do people see you at worship and you're lifting your hands and worshiping? And I just wonder, like, as they know that about you, are they also watching then to see how you live? Be like, what's this Christianity about? Why would they lift their hands up and, like, sing like that? Why would they praise like that? Why would they read the Bible all the time or go to spend all their time at church? Like, what is this guy's deal? And what they're doing is they're studying your life, trying to see, like, why is this worth it to them? I wonder what they see. What are you teaching them by the way you live? Does it match up with what you say about yourself being a Christian and a follower of Jesus? James says, look at, these, look at these massive things. It's kind of like our tongue being a small thing, and it could control so much of us. It could control so much of your life. Have you ever said something about someone that maybe you see them as competition in some way, and you say something to tear them down to make yourself better? This little teeny tongue tears somebody's reputation apart in a powerful way. Have you ever mocked or trashed somebody on the internet, Snapchat, something like that, where you just disagree with them and you're just going to let people know? You just want them to know. Such a small thing. That's a powerful, powerful action. Have you ever felt more courageous to, like, say something to someone over social media? Because, like, you don't have to see them face-to-face. You can hide behind, you know, your phone screen or your computer screen. And you wouldn't have the courage to say it to them if you were looking them in the face. But you feel more bold to be like, just let them have it. These small actions, this small thing, whether it's actually verbal or you're texting it or messaging it, what we send out there, it's so small. But it has such powerful consequences. And when we're teaching people about Jesus or showing them through our lives who Jesus is, This thing is so powerful because it can destroy your message. 
it can wreck your testimony. It could cause someone to look at you and go, I don't want to have anything to do with his Jesus or his God or his church. I don't want to follow her because like her life isn't matching up with what she says she believes. There's no way I want any part of that. And it all came from such a small part. This little tongue can cause so much trouble. He's, he, he goes on. He's like getting really emphatic. I hope you see this. He's really jazzed about this. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You ever seen like forest fires on the news? You guys probably heard recently the one in Australia, right? So like this is a caption and a picture from the forest fires that took place all over the continent of Australia. There's a little kangaroo running away from it, right? And it's, it's actually real sad because 14 million acres, 14 million acres approximately uh, were burned. That's about three times the size of the state of West Virginia completely burned out. This is a massive fire. Nearly 3 billion animals had been moved or displaced, like killed or displaced through this fire. 3 million. Like this was a massive thing that was supposedly started just by some stupid little fire. And James is looking at a lot of forest fires start that way. These blazing fires start as just one small thing. Big fires have been started by one person flicking a cigarette, you know, and like that's it. It's in the bushes and this massive fire ensues. And what he's saying is, your tongue's just like that. Our tongues are just like that. It's just a small little thing, but it can set a fire and destroy so much if we're not careful with what we say. But y'all, we live in a culture where people don't care anymore. They say whatever they want to whoever they want, and we don't think about the consequences. We're so bold to just yell things out and think we know everything and get on and teach people things, even in our posts. And we don't even know what we're talking about. We just feel this urge to say something, whether we know about it or not. And in that way, our culture is lost. You need to be careful with what you say. You need to watch your tongue. James is saying, especially if you're a believer in Jesus, don't be that guy with, or girl with a loose tongue that just tears people apart. And Jesus saved you so you can love those people. Even your enemies, he says. Are you using your tongue that way? To love them, to build them up, to encourage them? Or are you using your tongue to tear people down? Jesus gave it to you for a reason. I hope you're using it to build people up. He says this, he says, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. He's getting really pumped here, okay? He really wants us to understand what a big deal this is. He's spending a whole chapter just emphatically saying, hey, look, it's a tiny thing, but it will destroy everything if you're not careful. What kind of things do you say to us? How are your words changing the course of your own life? The things that you say will change, James says, your path in life. Other people's path in life. Are you leading people astray with your words and your example? Or are you leading them closer to Jesus? You, know, you even have to think, what kind of words are you saying to yourself? 
Are you speaking things to yourself that are just constantly negative? Are you trashing yourself? Are you getting yourself more angry at other people? Like what kind of things do you say to your own heart and mind? Because as we keep speaking these messages to ourselves, it changes the course of our life. Those ideas get lodged in your head and you start to act that way. You start to live that out. Be careful what you say to yourself. Let them be things like it says in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That we'd have those words being spoken to ourselves. That we'd be focused on the things that Jesus gives us, that makes us better. Not going around just like constantly speaking negativity to ourselves. Making ourselves feel bad for ourselves. Sorry for ourselves. I deserve this more than they do. And then those things, we actually start to believe them. Paul tells us in Philippians, focus on things about Jesus. (laughs) Focus on things that are lovely and good and let that change your heart in the course of your life. Next he says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. So I, I found an example. There's these crazy dudes, and you can see them on the internet. They're all over the place. But, like, they do crazy stuff like this. This is in Thailand. You can go watch this show. And, like, these dudes, there's, like, a whole team of them. He's, like, wearing his little jersey. That's a real gator or croc. It's a gator thing. They just stick their head in the croc's mouth. <laughs> like, how many of you guys would do that? Like, you volunteer? Any volunteers? I got one in the back. No, I don't. But. I wouldn't be doing that. I don't care how well-trained or tamed that gator might be. I'm not sticking my head or any other piece. I'm not even getting near him, dude. Like, I've stepped on one before. I'll tell you about that later. But I wouldn't do that, okay? But, I mean, you can look at these massive animals. These dudes ride, like, elephants, and, like, people swim with sharks and, like, uh, what's it, like, killer whales and, like, all that stuff. Like, these are huge animals, and mankind has been able to tame them. James says, listen, like, as much as we can tame animals, the hardest thing in the world to tame is your own tongue. This little thing that you think you could just stop it, and for some reason the words still pop out when you don't want them to. And you're like, get back in there. You're like, why did I say that? You know? It's hard to tame the tongue. But there's a way. There is a way. The Holy Spirit can tame your tongue. As you spend time with Jesus, as you abide in Christ and and you ask and you pray, and as you spend time in the Word, the more you trust and believe and focus on Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit can give you a filter, can tame that tongue. And listen, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad tonight, because I think we all basically struggle with this. Some more than others, right? But maybe tonight you're like, man, I am a quick-tongued person. I'm that little sarcastic person in class that's always just like buzzing people or my teachers. My parents just want to smack me because, like, I'm always saying, like, rude stuff back to them. Like, maybe that's you tonight. Like, if you're honest, like, okay, that's me. You don't have to stay that way. Like, James says there's a way to tame that tongue that seems impossible to tame, right, because it just wants to come out. But as you meditate on Christ, as you spend time with Jesus, as you ask him, just in a moment of honesty, say, God, I struggle with this. Like, I need you to help me with my tongue, Lord. He will. And the more you spend time with him and see how Jesus loves people, it's going to change how your tongue acts. 
And love will start to come out instead of the other stuff. The Holy Spirit is powerful, and he's more powerful than any animal, and he is the most powerful filter that you could have for your tongue. So ask him for it. Ask him to do that in you. James says, it is a restless evil. <laughs> he's still not done. Like, he's still going, right? This is one of those speeches. It's like, man, he's really mad right now. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison, that's what he says. That's, he's talking about your tongue, my tongue. Like, it's just this potential for evil, just waiting to say things that will destroy people's hearts, crush people. He's like, be careful because there's so much power here to say all the stuff that just tears people down and ruins your testimony and your life. That tongue gets loose, man, and it just strikes. You ever say something you wish you could just grab, you know, and just put it back in and just be like, man, why did that come out? Why did I respond that way? That quick thing that just made its way out and you're like, ah, you know? You can even see that person's face as you said it, and it just drops, and you're like, why did I do that? Man, I've done that. I'll tell you what, it doesn't feel good. But even worse, like, to know what it just did to that person. And so what it does is it causes me to go back to Jesus and say, Lord, I struggle with that. Will you help me? To go to that person and ask forgiveness. But to go to the Lord and say, hey, be my filter, God. Edit my word. Help my tongue, guide it. There is a restless evil just waiting, right? And then he says this. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We're doing these two opposite things with the same tongue. Let's say I had like a cup of chocolate milk up here tonight, right? Like, and it was just sitting here, and a few minutes ago, what I didn't, didn't tell you was a couple minutes ago, I took it in the bathroom, and I like scooped up water out of the toilet. Jiggled it around, swirled it in the cup. Maybe spit in it. I don't know. Right? It's gross. It's gross. At least I didn't hawkaloo <laughs> It's gross, right? I dump it out. Dump it out. Then I come up here, fill it up with some delicious chocolate milk, extra syrup, tons of whipped cream on it, a little chocolate bar. And like, here you go. How quickly are you going to take that and just be like, go, 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 and just chug that down? Like, if, if you didn't know that I had just taken toilet water out of it, like, out of the toilet, you'd be like, oh, yeah, give me some chocolate milk, probably. Except for Gigi, she hates chocolate milk, y'all. I don't know why. That's crazy. Crazy. But listen, you don't, you, you don't do that. That vessel, that cup, isn't designed, or I guess it is designed, but we don't want it to have this nastiness in it and then also have this delicious thing in it that's supposed to be clean. You don't mix them. It doesn't mix well, right? But yet we're okay doing that with, our, with this vessel, with this tongue. We're okay letting it bless Jesus and sing what a beautiful name in it. And then to walk out here and go to our small groups and just like trash a friend. Talk behind somebody's back and gossip at school. Go home and just be rude to our parents and just let these things go wild with sin and evil. Because we're like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, Rob, it's 2022. We live in a culture where we can say whatever we want, right? We're like progressive. We're cool. Not if you want to follow Jesus. It ain't cool. Jesus saved you. Jesus died on a cross. Purify your tongue. 
Jesus rose from the dead so that you can use it to love people and to share the gospel with people. How dare we in one minute share the gospel and the next minute use it for evil? And that's exactly what James says. Don't, you can't do both. You're just a hypocrite if you do both. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's, he cannot see, or who, who he's seen, he can't love God who he's not seen. And John here is telling us that we, we could say we love God all we want, but until we actually like live it out by loving the people around us that we can actually see and touch, then we're liars. We use our tongues all we want to talk about how great Jesus is, but if we're using it the next minute to trash people and for evil, then we're full of it. We're hypocrites. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, he says. My brothers, these things ought not to be. He's like, don't do it. (laughs) No matter what culture tells you is okay nowadays, don't do it. It's not cool. No matter what your friends are doing in your groups where it's cool to like make fun of each other and be really sarcastic and it's funny and you get a great laugh and you become more popular for how sarcastic you are. Like James is like, no. You want to follow them or do you want to follow Jesus? Jesus redeemed your tongue to speak love and encouragement. What are you using it for? The last thing he says here is, does a spring, like water coming up, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce fruit, fig? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He's giving you all these examples of things that just can't be. You can't do both. You've got to choose. Are you going to use this to love and to lift people up and to honor Jesus, share the gospel? for what he redeemed you to do? Or are you just going to continue to be just like the world? Continue to live in sin and death with hopelessness and just talk trash and let your tongue do all sorts of evil? Because you can't do both. So if you're trying, he's like, you're failing. You need to choose. Get in your knees before Jesus and confess and say, I've got a tongue problem. I've got a words problem. More so, what he says here in Proverbs 4, 23 and 24 is this. Keep your heart with all vigilance. I mean, watching out, being careful. For from it flows the spring of life. Look what he says next. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Do you see the connection there? In Proverbs, in the heart and your words. You want the tongue to change? You want your words to change? Change this. Give this to Jesus in a way that says, let everything that comes out of this through my mouth be based in you. Help me to see how much you love me so when I speak, it's coming out of my heart. When I speak, there's love pouring out of me, out of my mouth, onto people, even my enemies, even people who annoy me and who are mean to me and maybe they deserve a good tongue lashing. But you know what? There's so much Jesus and there's so much love in my heart that's what's going to pour out of my mouth. So I'd encourage if you struggle with that tonight, go before Jesus, fall on your knees, and just say, God, will you change that? Will you put your heart in me? 
Will you cause your words to come out of this? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a second? Maybe that's you tonight, and you're struggling. You're like, man, you just hit the nail on the head. James is saying exactly what I'm struggling with. Maybe your words get away from you, and your filter is just not that good. And tonight, you need the Lord to do a little work in your heart. If you'd be honest tonight, and you'd say, like, I need God to do that in me, would you just raise your hand so we could pray together? I think we all need to pray for one another in this. There's so many hands up, y'all. We struggle with this. Thank you for being honest. And let's ask him right now, God, will you do a work with my mouth? Will you change my words in my heart that I would love people? You guys could put your hands down. Let me ask one more question. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know that Jesus that can change your heart. You don't know the son of God who came to die for your sin, who went to a cross, but then he rose again. He could give you life tonight, but you don't, you don't know him yet. If you'd like to meet Jesus, would you do me a favor? We just raise your hand up and say, like, I don't know who that Jesus is. I've never given him my heart. I've never, like, met him, but I would love to know how I can be saved and forgiven. Would you just slip your hand up in the air and say, that's me? Like, I'd love to hear more about that, Rob. Like, will you just pray for me that I could find out more about this Jesus? Just slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Say, that's me tonight. Like, I want to know Jesus. Awesome. Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you tell us how to be close to you. You're not leaving us wandering around trying to just figure it out. But God, tonight we have this clear pathway to you. And it's through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for those of us, Lord, who are struggling with our tongues, or struggling with our words, and even what's in our heart. God, would you give us your heart? Cause us to be able to spend time with you to crave reading your word and hearing your voice pray to you and talk to you and share our hearts with you. God, will you help us control this tongue because we can't tame it. James just told us that. God, we're incapable. But the Holy Spirit can. I'm asking you to make us people as individuals and as this group that speaks love. God, that it would flow from our hearts and not just be empty words, but it would come about because we know how much you love us. And that flows out of us to other people. We love you tonight. We ask that you be praised as we use these lips right now to worship you and to praise you. Would you hear us as we sing? It's in your name we pray.